I'm pretty excited to be back to uh, preach again. It's been, I've been off for a couple weeks now, had a good break, and uh, thank God for Pastor Dustin and Tony for getting behind the pulpit and proclaiming the Word of God. Um, but man, I got fire in me right now, and I'm excited about the journey that we're going to take this morning uh, in the Word of God. So uh, buckle your seatbelts, and uh, let's get into this. Um, before I begin, though, I want to go to our main passage uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. How about, how's everybody doing this morning? And before I do that, let's just pray. I know Dustin prayed, but I just want to pray for the Word. I want to pray for us. Holy and gracious God, Lord, we thank you right now for uh, this opportunity to, uh, to sup from your Word, to drink of your Word, God. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, O oh God, who leads us and guides us into uh, your presence, God, who leads us and guides us into truth. God, I thank you for the saints of God, Father, who are gathered here this morning. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness, God. I thank you for their steadfastness in your kingdom. God, continue to bless them and grace them, O oh God. God, fill them to the overflow of your spirit, O oh God, to the brimming, O oh God, to the brim. God, we thank you right now that your word will be planted in their hearts, O oh God, that it will bring forth fruit for your kingdom, a 30, 60, 100-fold, God. God, we thank you for these things and add a blessing to the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we're going to read our main passage that we've been sticking to for the past several weeks in the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read this, uh, and I'll be reading from the NIV. And I'll be reading uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 uh, through 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied or they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Amen. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. And turn over also to the next passage um, that I want to read to you is the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, if you could go there, Matthew chapter 6, just a page over, verses 5 through 13. And I'm actually just going to start at verse 9, because the disciples wanted to know how to pray. You know, one of the things about being a disciple of Jesus um, is learning how to pray. 
you know, and uh, one of the things that, you know, I come from a Pentecostal background, and so we, we often pray extemporaneous prayers, right, which are good, right? There's nothing wrong with extemporaneous, and by what I mean by that is just spontaneous prayers. Lord, bless me. Lord, you know, help me. You know, God, I need some help. Like just conversation with God, right? But there's also in our faith, within the Christian tradition, there are prayers that are set up as models in how to pray to God, right? How many of y'all learned how to ride a bike when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to put you on blast. Now, how many of y'all started out with training wheels? You ain't no training wheels back then? Oh, you just went for it, right? Okay. <laughs> but did somebody help you guide you along, and then they had to push you? <laughs> they just said, give him the bike and go. <laughs> well, I had training wheels, so. Don't think less of me, because they didn't last long. I had to tear them off, right? But that's how some of these prayers are, because in this particular passage in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples are like, they've seen Jesus. They observed Jesus in his prayer life. And they saw the power that he would demonstrate in the world, and they realized the connection between the power that he demonstrated of the kingdom of God and the kind of prayers that he prayed. And so the disciples in this particular passage, they said, Jesus, we want to pray like you. And so Jesus says, offers up the prayer in, you know, different traditions, different Christian traditions. And we here try to honor all the different ways that uh, followers of Jesus have gone about the ways of following Jesus. Uh, but there's been different names for this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, or Our Father Prayer, and there's a whole bunch of other names you probably heard before, but it's all good. But then he says, this is how you ought to pray. And I want to mess with you a little bit this morning in my prayers as it sets you up for the, the rabbit hole that we're going to go down for the red pill uh, that you're going to take this morning as you hear the Word of God. That's a Matrix reference. Anybody seen the Matrix? Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, so that we can leave earth and go to heaven. Oh, did I read that wrong? Hold on, let me, let me make sure I read that right. Hold on. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, so that we can leave earth and go to heaven. Is that what the text says? Your will be done, your kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about this before, how a lot of times in the Christian message somewhere it's gotten lost that you would think that Christianity is simply about going to heaven when you die. But Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. This is the only few times that Jesus actually offers how you are supposed to talk to the Father. And when he offers this model, he says what? He says, don't pray that you get up out of here, but that pray that the kingdom of God will come on the earth as it already is in heaven. God sent heaven down here. Not the other way. Why do we pray the other way? 
and talk the other way. It's in red, y'all. Talk to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, stay in the red. Stay in the red before you go to TBN. Ah. Stay in the red before you listen to Christian radio. Stay in the red before you stay in the Christian bookstore. Stay in the red, not saying those places are bad, but sometimes there's some parts of Christian culture that can deviate you from the red. Stay in the red. So the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? And we talked about this before. It's about Jesus' powerful presence to heal and to transform and to transfigure and to change the world, change to make heaven on earth, to make earth reflect heaven. Because mm. what does Jesus do? He heals people. There's healed people in heaven. <laughs> He brings peace, harmony, shalom, the Bible calls it, justice, things made right. And so one of the primary driving thought for this whole sermon series is that Jesus is making all things new, just not, not just in our personal lives, but also in our church, but also in the world around us, in our city, in our county, in our state, and also in the world in which we live, that Jesus is actively working through his people. And sometimes, if I can be bold with you for just a moment, sometimes Jesus, the kingdom of God, is actually bigger than the church. Sometimes Jesus is working through people that you wouldn't even identify as Christians. They asked Gandhi one time, Mahatma Gandhi in India who led the nonviolent revolution to throw off the shackles of British colonial oppression in India. Everybody familiar with Gandhi, right? And they said to him, they said, man, why don't you become a Christian? He says, well, you know, your Christianity I can't stand because it justified oppression and slavery and racism and colonialism, but your Jesus I love. Jesus says, I got sheep that you don't know about. <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble with that, but that's all right, though. The kingdom of God is bigger than the church. It's bigger than us. We're talking about God. God can use whoever God wants to use to renew the world. God can use people that don't even believe in him. Uh, read your Bible. And so we're talking about the kingdom of God. And this is Jesus's, and back to Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes are Jesus's revolutionary manifesto for the movement called the kingdom of God. He's laying out what it looks like. What would happen if a group of people had been thrown smack dab in the middle of the kingdom of God? This is what it looks like for the kingdom of God to express and to show up in this world. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about the beatitude in verse 6. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Ah. I love this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And one of the things about the Beatitudes, if you get a chance, I want to challenge you to memorize these. 
Because one of the things about Jesus' teachings is that Jesus' teachings in his life himself, his presence, but his teachings will throw you into a spiritual conundrum. <laughs> Y'all quiet this morning. The beatitude should cause a spiritual conundrum in one's life. What is a conundrum? A conundrum is a puzzle. It is a, a, a riddle. It is something that causes you to be disturbed where you're at to begin to look deeper than where you are. And I love Jesus it's because when we read the Beatitudes, one of the things that you'll quickly notice in the first set of Beatitudes, even up until very now, Jesus says you're blessed if you have lost something or you lack something. Notice verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those for this morning who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So Jesus throws us in the conundrum because we often don't think of being blessed as lacking something. <laughs> we don't think, because we're Americans, right? To be blessed is, you know, that good old Protestant work ethic. You know, we, talk, we learn from the Puritans to have a whole bunch of stuff means that you're blessed. But Jesus says you're blessed if you're hungry. Jesus says you're blessed if you're thirsty. He says you're blessed if you're poor in spirit. He says you're blessed in your lack. To have a certain kind of lack and loss in life is to be blessed. And this is interesting. Because this throws us into a conundrum. This kind of challenges what we normally are taught in our society that to be blessed is to have things. <clears throat> but Jesus is saying here that uh, you're blessed, you are graced, you are blessed when you have lost something. To have lost something. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, what he's saying is, I want you to be hungry. And there's this, there's this really cool uh, commercial that I, uh, y'all probably seen the uh, commercial. This is a guy, an uh, older gentleman. Um, and it's for an alcoholic beverage, but uh, it's a really cool commercial. It's a song, it's a commercial about the most interesting man that ever lived. What's it? Is it Dulce Keys? I can't remember the name of the. Is it? Is it? Dulce Keys? Dulce Equis. Okay. See here. Hey. But anyway, he always says at the end of the commercial, he says, Stay thirsty, my friend. Right? And so Jesus is saying, you're blessed if you're hungry, you're blessed if you're thirsty, but he doesn't say just, he doesn't mean just hungry in the sense of physical hunger or in the sense of just physical thirst. He says, if you're hungry and thirst for what? Righteousness. Now, God bless King James, but, you know, King James kind of messes up a little bit on this one. Um, because when you think righteousness now, you think simply morality, like I'm a really good person, right? But righteousness that we talked about before 
is, is actually more akin to the English word justice than it is what we think of morality. Justice meaning that the world is made right, that I'm made right with God, that I'm made right with my neighbor, that I'm made right with the creation, the earth under my feet, right? So this is what righteousness means. We've talked about this before. It means to make things right all across the board. Righteousness equals justice. So Jesus is saying that, man, how do you know that you're blessed? How do you know the kingdom of God has shown up in your life? How do you know that you've been caught up in the kingdom of God? How do you know that you've been caught up in the mission of Christ to make all things new? Jesus says, you know you're blessed when you are hungry and thirsty for justice. My God. We're going to get a little deeper into the rabbit hole here. So righteousness is justice. So how do you know that you're hungry? And then the thing about hunger is this, and I love this because, you know, you know, my children, you know, I don't know if y'all got kids that say this, I'm hungry. I'm like, no, you're not hungry. You have an appetite. Because hunger is something far worse than appetite. Hunger is if you don't eat, you won't live. Mm. I've never been that hungry. I can't think of a time that I've been that hungry. Maybe when I was in boot camp, when they kept us up for four days straight, and we had very little food. That's the only time I can think of the time I was desperate for food. When the first time we went to the child hall and we had a full meal, I mean, we were falling all over each other to get a piece of, get a piece of chicken or something. But I don't know if any of you have been thrown out into a desolate place and, or you was in a place where you had no food for days. Anybody have been there before? Except for this Daniel fast that we just went through. <laughs> right? Now, I spent a little hunger during that Daniel fast, right? That's probably more appetite than hunger. Right? But it was good for the soul, though. But feel the hunger, though. Jesus says that. You're blessed if you're hungry. You're blessed if you thirst. The word hunger is a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by a lack of food coupled with this. It's not just having a, a, a discomfort that comes from having a lack of food. It's also a desire for food. My God. So Jesus says those who are blessed are those who are hungry for justice. They lack justice in the world. My God. And they also desire for justice to be in the world. Did you catch that? So it's to have a strong desire and craving for it. It's more than just not an appetite. It is this simple desire of just wanting something like an appetite. Like, you know, like right now, I want some chunky monkey. But I can't have none because I got to watch my diet, y'all. You know, watch my blood sugar and my cholesterol and everything else. But, you know, I have an appetite right now for Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey. But I'm not hungry for it. So Jesus is saying, so in our culture, people have an appetite for justice. And I don't know yet if a lot of people really have a hunger for it. They have the uh, hunger for or the appetite for the appearance of justice, especially like racial justice right now. We're in an hour now that God is making that very present and thrown into our face uh, about racial justice in our culture right now. And I think a lot of people just have an appetite for it. 
Let's just hold hands and sing songs together. Let's just eat some chicken together. Let's just have our churches come together on a Sunday morning and sing some songs together. No, that's not, no, we're not, we're not hungry because if we were hungry, we would be concerned about the inequities and disparities in our society. The disproportionality of incarceration rates that disproportionately affect Latino and black people. No, preacher, we don't want to be hungry. We just want an appetite. We just want hors d'oeuvres. We just want appetizers for justice. We just want to say, <clears throat> love the sin, love the sinner and hate the sin. So we acquiesce when our LGBTQT brothers and sisters are being dehumanized and shamed in our culture. And we can't stand as the body of Christ to affirm their humanity and their dignity as being made in the image of God. I know it's messed up some of y'all right there. So we want the appetizer for justice, and we don't want the hunger for justice that Jesus says if you, Jesus didn't say you're blessed if you got an appetite for justice. He says that you're blessed if you have a hunger for justice. Thirst. He said you're blessed if you're thirsty. A feeling of, uh, of needing and wanting Something to drink. I want to drink something. I want to, not just the feeling of the lack of, of hydration, uh, but it's also the desire to be filled with the thing. It is the lack of the thing. It's also a desire to end the lack. Did you catch that? And I love this because... Um, Again, Jesus is messing with us. And there's a passage in Micah chapter 6, verse 8 that I want to read to you. And this is something about hunger and righteousness, hungering for righteousness or hungering and thirsting for justice. He says this, he says, um, he has shown you, O mortal or human, what is required or what is good and what does the Lord require of you? The Lord requires of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Mm. When you get a chance, I want you to reflect on that verse. People always say, well, what does the Lord want me to do? Well, he wants you to act justly. He wants you to love mercy. He wants you to walk humbly before God's own presence. So what is the blessing? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The blessing to be hungry and thirsty for a grace new world. Grace new life and world. To be hungry for the world. If you're not disturbed by the way that the world is. If you're not somehow thrown off by the way that the world is imbalanced and out, of, and out of sync with God's purposes, if you're not disturbed by the rampant injustice inequities that exist, not just in the world, but even in your own life, you're not disturbed by your own life being out of kilter with God, then Jesus will say, ah, are you blessed yet? If you're not uncomfortable with where you are, if you, and I'm not saying that 
And you see, sometimes in the church we tell people, <clears throat> you're blessed when you're at this super place, at, this, at the field place. But Jesus is saying that you are blessed if you're at the place even of discomfort with where you are now. If you are uncomfortable with where you're at right now, guess what? You are blessed. Because you recognize the distance of where you are and where God is wanting to take you. If you feel that rub, you know what I'm talking about. When you know you're off base, you know you're off kilter, you know that, you know I can do better than this. Right? If you understand that, then you are blessed. That is the grace of God. Because God can allow us just to be in our comfortability. I don't even know if that's a word. I heard somebody say it before. Is that a word? Got any English people here? English, English experts. Is it a word, Tony? Is it worthy? Okay. Okay. You know we like to make words up here at Mission House, so we have our own lexicon. That's a real word, too, by the way. But if you're hungry, if you're thirsty for more, if you're hungry and you're uncomfortable with where you're at, guess what? That is the blessing. The discomfort that you feel right now, the distance that you feel that you are from God, if you feel like you're far away from God, guess what? You blessed. My God. You blessed. And if you're like me, you're hungry and you're thirsty for a grace new life in the world, you you hunger for this. God, I want to grow closer to you. God, you know, recently I've been feeling in my own personal life. God, I got to spend more time with you. I got to be on my knees more in your presence. And unfortunately, I haven't done what I felt. Yes, I do my normal prayers, but I felt like God was calling me deeper into my prayer life, right? And I, and I have not yet fully walked into that. But I feel the discomfort even standing up here and proclaiming the word of God to you. I feel the distance that I feel between me and Jesus right now. And, and there's something that Jesus has done even in my own life. He's given me a hunger and a thirst to be with him more. And when I was feeling bad about it, and the Spirit said, man, you blessed. Because you recognize your need for me. You're blessed. And the thing is, is that to be blessed is to be graced. We are all graced. We are all graced this morning. Now, one of the things about grace, and in our culture, we've kind of messed this up. Um, grace is um, oftentimes understood as giving people a pass. <laughs> right? Uh, let's show a little grace. Y'all agree with this? I know I do it like you know, I'd be at work and had to deal with certain people. I'm just going to show them some grace. Or, you know, I'm sure they show me a grace a lot. You know, I get a lot of passes sometimes, you know. I don't know about you. And so, but the thing is, grace is actually much more subversive and much more deeper than that. Grace is God. Mm. Grace is God's presence in our lives to help us to be that which God has called us to be. Mm. 
Grace means the possibility to being more than what we have been. And so when we say to people that, hey, I want to extend to you grace, what we're saying is, is this, is that I understand that you messed up. I understand that you are dealing with something. But guess what? Grace tells me to tell you that I am not going to let you, I'm not going to let myself identify you solely based upon who I've only seen up to this point. I'm not going to let your past solely identify who you are. To extend grace to people is to say that God is at work in your life making you more than what you have been. So I can't just leave you in this box. I can't just leave you in the box of all the mistakes that you made or my perception of your mistakes that you made because sometimes we look at people and we don't know the whole story. We don't know that biography. Only God knows that biography. And so if God don't hold people, if God doesn't trap people in a box, then who are we? Grace. The possibility of the lack and the loss of being filled by God. So it is grace that makes us hungry. It is grace that makes us thirsty for a new life in God. It is grace that makes us hungry for a world that's filled more with justice and mercy and love and humility. <clears throat> I want you to think about this as we enter into uh, Black History Month as well. Um, We'll be talking about heroes and black firsts and things like this. But I want you to pay attention to, you know, just as a suggestion, pay attention to whoever you like. But I just want to want you to emphasize this. I want you to understand. I want you to focus on the people within Black History Month that have made this world a better place. Through justice, through invention, through technology, through science, and, and also through you know, spirituality, through their faith who have participated in making all things new. But you know, if Jesus is saying he's blessing us to be hungry for a just world, he's blessing us to, uh, to be thirsty for a righteous world, to have a righteous life, to, be a, to have a just life. And this being in the blessing in and of itself. One of the questions I always ask myself is this, is that, uh, well, how does that look? What does it look like to be hungry and thirsty for a new and just world? What does that look like? When so many people that I often encounter are satisfied with the way the world is. What does it look like to be hungry and thirsty for a new world, for a new life, for a new world? What does that even look like, God? What does it look like to be blessed in that sense? Be hungry. Stay thirsty, my friends. Turn to your name and say, be hungry. Stay thirsty, my friend. I want to show a video clip here. Don't play it yet. 
<laughs> that I believe captures what it looks like for an individual to be hungry and thirsty for the kingdom of God, to be hungry and thirsty for justice, to be hungry and thirsty for a new world. Amen. I'm going to play this clip. Ah. My God, that hits me every time I watch that. <clears throat> but when I stand there and see that, when I see that passage of Dr. King giving his last speech, you can't help but think that this man is desperate for a new world. To the point that he did not fear any man or even death. Now that's desperation. That's hunger. That's thirst. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus will bless you with that kind of hunger, with that kind of thirst, that Jesus will grace you with the spirit to one, be in tune with God yourself, that you know your life is out of balance, that God will give you a hunger and the thirst to get your life right with God, but also... That God will bless you. That God will grace you to have a hunger and a thirst for a new world. 
a just world where human beings are treated with dignity and respect, that the, human, the image of God is recognized in their lives. When I prepared for this, I had a prayer come up in my spirit. And I want to read this prayer to you. God, keep us hungry and thirsty until you, O Lord, are satisfied. Not us. God, you keep us hungry and thirsty, God, until you, God, are satisfied. God, make us hungry and thirsty like Dr. King. God, make us hungry and thirsty like Malik El Shabazz. God, make us hungry and thirsty like Sojourner Truth. God, make us hungry and thirsty like Frederick Douglass. Hungry like Ella Baker. Hungry like Bayard Rustin. Hungry like William Lloyd Garrison. Hungry like Susanna Wesley. Hungry like Rosa Parks. Hungry like Alicia Garza of Black Lives Matter. Hungry like Ta-Nehisi Coates. Hungry like Alice Walker in the color purple. Hungry like Nat Turner. Thirsty like William Wilberforce. And thirsty and hungry like Gandhi. God, make us hungry and thirsty like your son, Jesus. The same Jesus that said, I only do what I see the Father doing. 